Mr. T will return after these messages. He is the king of the ring, but many former wrestlers say it wasn't prayers and vitamins that made Hulk Hogan a giant in the eyes of kids. I myself personally have injected Hulk Hogan with anabolic steroids. Did the biggest star in pro wrestling get to the top by using dangerous drugs? You know what, Mr. Lawler? I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me, my info style? All right, fine. I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. We have something in common, Steve Kern and Jimmy Hart, baby, and it is that I hate Orientals. And I know Steve Kern hates Orientals because I know that he loves and respects his father very, very much, just like I love and respect my father very, very much. And I know also that Steve Kern's father was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. That's it true. was in all the papers, we, you know it, and I know it too. No point in going so like I said that. before, there is no love lost between Jimmy Hart and the Orientals. Hi, I'm the Blue Blazer, and I love to fly high. But one thing that brings me down is people who smoke. It's just no good for you. Take it from me. Stay alive. Fly high. Be a survivor. Don't smoke. Castro didn't do it. I've actually met with Fidel Castro. I'm the only, I believe, elected official while elected that, were, that has met with Fidel Castro. I had an hour with him. He said, I love my country, and if I would have killed Kennedy, my country would have been eliminated off the face of the earth. Do I look like someone who would do that? And I, I told him, no, you don't. So, Cass, you're talking about how uh, Doug helped uh, get you sober and cleaned up. And before we talk about how hard that must have been to do, let me talk about something that's pretty easy to do and also makes a great gift. I'm talking about ancestry DNA. I am no longer a boy. I am Jean-Paul Levesque, the greatest professional wrestler in the world today. Remember the name, Jean-Paul Levesque. I'll ask you the standard question. You know? Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open-hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? You, come... you people in New York City, you'd better listen up. Because you're living in a historical land. Ellis Island, the Empire State Building, the World Trade Center. When you live in a place, you have it happen to take it all for granted. Well, don't take your city for granted anymore. Go out and see your sights. Because Cactus Jack is coming to your town, boys, and the sights ain't going to be there anymore. I'm going to send your city crumbling down. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. Jack, what's your very first memory of anything wrestling related it doesn't have to be like first match you saw do you remember what that is i don't know if i have a specific moment but like i have like when i was like a young kid when we would go to uh conventions when we would go to like horror conventions or we go to like whatever it was comic-con and we would yep. meet wrestlers like roddy piper for example and you would like maybe tell me oh this is a wrestler this is a big deal and i i think on some level i was confused on what wrestling was as a concept and i think People who like I know this from from talking to, you know, my friends who don't know wrestling and are trying to understand why I like it and that sort of thing. People still who, who are not part of wrestling in the wrestling bubble still have pretty much the concept I think I had at the time of what it could be, because it seems like such an outlandish thing. So you're, you're trying to explain to me that this is a guy who he gets into a ring and he basically fights, but then he also yells and insults his opponents or what have you. And this is how he dresses up. Here's a picture of what he looked like in the ring. And I'm just like, 
I couldn't wrap my head around it. But he's a celebrity, so let's take a picture with him. And uh, I, think I, I remember telling you this may not seem like a big deal to you now, but it will later. I right. promise you. Right. And it did. It did, though, because yeah. now Roddy Piper's dead. Now we have that picture. And, uh, and it was, yeah. I don't know. Perspective on it is like, in a way, I wish I liked wrestling like younger or earlier. Like, you know, Phil, my co-host for the listeners, has been the fan since he was like four or five years old or something like that. And I almost wish that I really knew what wrestling was at that point in time, because I think on some level I would have liked it because I was always into comic books and, you know, superheroes and weird, colorful things and stuff. So like wrestling fits. I guess it's why I fell in love with it eventually. But it would have been something I would have liked younger, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And uh, well, the irony in, yeah. in all of that is that I was a wrestling fan in the 80s. Yeah. I, I got into it in the 80s. And I was pretty intense, intensely into it for a while. And then it wasn't for a long, 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 long time. And then suddenly, probably not too long before you were born, maybe a year or so before you were born, I got back into it. Yeah. I stumbled across Ric Flair's autobiography and for some reason started reading it. And I started, I started thinking, wow, I've missed a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I remember this guy. I remember this guy. That was a lot of fun. Started watching it again. Well, you know, actually, it probably was after you were born now that I think about it. But you were, when you were very, very small, I would watch wrestling when you were in bed and, um, your mom did not approve in the least. I mean, it makes uh, sense. It's attitude era. Uh, so. Well, yeah, I know there are a lot of there are a lot of people who don't. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not saying anything out of out of school here. I'm just saying she did absolutely did not like wrestling in any way, shape, or form, and strictly forbade me to introduce you to it. At that point, I was like, he's five. I'm not going to introduce him to wrestling. There's right. no. <laughs> it, it, it would be silly to. Yeah. But I was I kept it away from you completely. And then ironically, when you were in grade school, your best friend happened to be a wrestling fan and took you to a raw show for his birthday. And boom. Yeah, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Suddenly you were completely obsessed. Nothing but wrestling It was wrestling, this wrestling, that. And I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah, you're gonna have to keep repeating that a few times, though. You got, yeah, she's got to know. Right I really now. you had nothing to do with it. I really, I really had absolutely nothing to do with it. And so mm. it's, it's just, it's funny that you developed a real passion for something. I mean, I can't say that I'm passionate about wrestling in the way that you are. I'm passionate about it in that I really enjoy it, and I really there there are certain aspects of it that we could talk for hours and hours. And I get passionate about it on a daily basis. I'm not as passionate, but it, it's. I mean, I was a monster kid. Right. I grew up with monster movies. In the early 70s, it was kind of a big thing because the, the old monster movies had just starting to be shown on television for the first time. And so it created a whole generation of us called Monster Kids. And we got the same type of, oh, that's for kids. That's stupid. When are you going to outgrow that stuff? Sounds and, familiar. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't it? And, you know, I'm so glad that I never outgrew that stuff. I'm still into monster movies. I'm still into all that stuff. And I mean, how many times has somebody either well-intentioned or not said to you, Jack, you know, wrestling's fake, don't you? Oh, over under 50 times, 100 times. Oh, no, I would say I would give it several hundred times because I I think there's I mean, people who who find out that I like wrestling and who, who maybe I mean, they know me well enough to like, you know, think they're breaking some kind of news to me that maybe wrestling is fake and I didn't know they exclusively will every single time. Actually, recently there was a time where I had to tell one of my friends who doesn't know wrestling 
that wrestling is fake. So I, I felt bad about that because they just didn't know anything about wrestling. And when I told her that wrestling is scripted, she had the same reaction I did as a kid when I found out. And I was apparently, you know, I felt like I was in the other uh, the other place. But basically, every time that I would have a conversation with anybody and I mentioned wrestling when I was specifically when I was a kid, but it doesn't happen as much anymore because I think I'm more like open about it and like proud about it. Like I'll mention it. And I'll be more likely to talk about it and say this is the thing I like about it. So maybe they're more likely to not want to like, you know, condescend to me or something. But it was every time that I would bring up wrestling. It was Oh, but isn't that the fake thing? Do you know it's fake? Which is a great one. No, I don't. I have no idea. But the main problem with the whole fake discussion is like that I don't know where people who feel the need to expose the fact that it's fake to other people, what they think the end goal is like, do I am I shocked now? And if I am shocked, does that make me stop liking it? Am I going to change my mind because it's as scripted as a movie is or as scripted as a TV show? Any other TV show? It, it airs on TV. It's as scripted as any other TV show. It's as scripted as America's Got Talent. Probably less scripted than America's Got Talent. So I'm not going to, even if the, you're breaking this news for the first time, which I think as a wrestling fan, it's pretty hard to believe that you're telling me this for the first time, that wrestling's fake, that I don't know this. But if this is the first time I'm hearing it, why would this change my opinion on it? Also, why does that make it like a kid thing too? Because that's always the thing paired with it is... It's fake, and then also, because you like it, it's childish, or because you like it, it's, in some way or another, it's stupid, and where's the connection between these things? So, because you like movies, then you also must be a kid? I'm not really sure where that attaches. Am I supposed to only like real things, like documentaries or something? Yeah. It's, you never have that conversation about plays, do you? I mean, right. Do you, do you say, oh, you know what, uh, I, gotta, I really should tell you this to save some embarrassment but um that romeo and juliet you know juliet didn't really take poison she didn't really die that's fake those weren't real swords how fucking stupid do people think you i mean it's so it's condescending to such a level that the person who thinks they're telling you that wrestling's fake what must they think of you right to tell you that right they must think that you're absolutely a potato head that there's absolutely no cognitive thought going on there oh it's fake and then what like you said what's the motivation do they want you to stop watching it why i think <laughs> maybe on some why? level yeah because they have to think you're first of all because they think wrestling is probably a stupid thing they have to think you're stupid enough to watch wrestling and then you have to they have to think you're stupid enough to also not know the most basic part of wrestling which is the fact that it's scripted so there's like it's a double whammy so you must be the stupidest person on earth to this you know not at all hypothetical person who i've met a million times and will continue to Probably. It's, it's a lifelong thing, Jack. You're going to have people telling you, eh, oh, well, so yeah. what? My fourth grade teacher, I was an A student. I mean, I was Mr. Brainiac. And, <laughs> okay, uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> and in fourth grade, I bring my report card home, which was always just, you got all, all straight A's. Fantastic. Mm. And I did, but in the little box for remarks, my fourth grade teacher said, Lee needs to find something besides monsters to be interested in. Right. The implication was that it's an unhealthy. My mom and dad, I mean, they certainly weren't pushing me into doing anything, but they looked at that and they were like, what is she talking about? You get straight A's. Right, <laughs> that was right. the end of the conversation. Yeah. Like, Thank you. Thanks, dad. Well, yeah, that's the thanks. thing, too, because it, it's, it's getting straight A's. What is she talking about? Yeah. I mean, because she, she's literally saying he, he should find something else. Like, yeah, you have yeah. you have nothing else that you are interested in or know anything about. But then here's the report card that says that there are several other things you know things about. So exactly. I, why is it necessary to say? Yeah. 
what could I do if I if I dropped the monsters? I would get what A pluses? <laughs> Maybe is that yeah. even possible? What? <laughs> it's just so silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I, I'm sure that, or I would guess that you were met with a lot of that in school and with peers. I mean, I, I think there's been a shift, at least in how wrestling is seen, your generation to my generation. Yeah. I think there's a lot more acceptance of it now. At least it's so big and it's on a huge worldwide scale. So most people know about it. Like when I was growing up, I think my first memory of anything that my, my first realization that there was something called wrestling was, I mean, I knew about it. In the 70s, it wasn't on television, really. You know, this is pre-WWF even. Right. So what was on TV seemed like kind of like low class. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, kind of was. It was kind of, yeah. but like it was shot on cheap video. The, the sets looked cheap. It looked a little bit more like it didn't look refined, mm -hmm. like the stuff that we watch on TV. So I had no interest. But in eighth or ninth grade, I had a friend. His name was Robert Avila. He sadly passed away a couple years after graduation. He was morbidly obese, really sweetheart of a guy. We weren't friends yet. We became good friends later. But he was morbidly obese. And people called his last name was Avila. So people picked on him and called him Abdullah. Right. After Abdullah the Butcher, which I didn't know. But then I made the connection. I was like, oh, there's a fat guy with dark skin who's a wrestler. Right. They're making, okay, he's a fat guy with dark skin. Okay, get it. So that was the first time I ever, I think, associated anything with wrestling wasn't very positive yeah. it's weird but because it was, sorry it, just yeah. in this one case you have the bullies actually making the wrestling references so the tables are kind of flipped here you would think they'd be bullying him for that right that's because yeah. like the weird thing about wrestling is like it goes through phases of when it's mainstream in a way and when it's whether it's accepted or whether it's whether what type of person likes it or what have you and it's unlike a lot of other things i think in that where it's like you had in the early days of wrestling, I, yeah, it was kind of like a primitive sport where, I mean, I think a lot of people probably still didn't know it was fake. And, you know, it wasn't really what the performance that it is today. They had a whole different standard for what wrestling matches should be, that sort of thing. And, yeah, it wasn't on TV. But then, like, when Hulk Hogan got popular, all of a sudden it's the mainstream thing. And it probably still wasn't seen as necessarily the coolest thing, but you had pretty cool celebrities in it, people who were considered cool. It was on NBC. It was on MTV, or maybe not MTV, but I think it was on MTV. And it was a big deal. MTV and then, was a big part of it, yeah. that was yeah. The lead up to WrestleMania was on MTV. That's right, that's right. And I think they did a later show, uh, one of like the main event or one of those shows on there too. But then it like it dipped again for a while. You know, it got really unpopular in like the early 90s. And then it became huge again with the Attitude Era. And all of a sudden it was the cool kids who liked it, basically. Like it was like everybody was talking about the pay-per-view the next day, from what I hear from people who were around at the time. And, you know, from the mainstream publicity it got. And the super, it had a Super Bowl commercial for WWF. And there was all the wrestlers run Saturday Night Live and were doing commercials. Then it dipped again for whatever reason. In the early, I guess, I mean, John Zena kind of killed it. But it dipped for a while there. And then I guess you could say there was some sort of, it wasn't nearly as big as the first two booms, but there was some sort of increase in popularity maybe five-ish years ago. Where, like, for whatever reason, maybe it's The Rock getting mainstream and John Cena getting mainstream. But it seemed like more people at least knew about wrestling had heard of some things about wrestling. It was getting more promotion. I was seeing Subway ads for Raw and things like that. It was different in some way. And it's it's not, it'll be a while. It, it might happen again where there's another boom, but it'll be a while before it's really popular. But it still felt like it was a little bit of an increase there. And I, it seems like it was somewhere around there. And I bet it was because of The Rock and because of John Cena, because everybody knows who they are. And they're the definition of a household name now, where it's like, if you don't know who they are and also think they're pretty cool, then you're not, you know, on the same wavelength as the rest of us. So... 
the mainstream like acceptance of them i think has changed the like wrestling is fake discussion to for whatever reason it's i don't get that anymore people don't say that to me in the last Mm. couple of years i've almost not at all gotten that and the most i've gotten is somebody almost trying to be nice or trying to you know because they actually genuinely don't know they'll be like wait so that's but is it is it fake though like they'll ask me like that instead of oh but you know what's fake you know or do you know it's fake it's a different discussion and i don't know it's gotten there's like more respect around it in a weird way i don't know if people actually think of it with more you like it's a legitimate thing but it definitely feels like the conversation's different and i don't know i don't know why really it's probably john cena you've grown up in the internet age so you wouldn't notice i mean you wouldn't know what it was like before the internet age but now that there's open access to everything, do people just sort of take it for granted that everybody knows about everything or they don't like when I was younger, even, uh, well, I got, I got really into wrestling again in the eighties, right before WrestleMania. Somehow I got involved in that whole MTV buildup and damn, before it was cool, it was really yeah. into it. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, before it was, I'm not bragging. I, I'm just saying that's about, <laughs> that's when I got involved in it. That's, right. that's when it caught my attention. And at that point it was, there, there was still, you could pretend kayfabe for fun, which is what I did, and it drove my my then girlfriend crazy because <laughs> I would be telling her, "No, Hulk Hogan actually did this." Right, right, right. She's like, "Yesterday you explained how this whole thing was set up, and <laughs> now you're saying it's actually real." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's yes, yes. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I still do this now. So, uh, record, yeah. But you could still, again, there's no internet. There was really not much televised wrestling. There were, you know, you could track down a magazine. You know, there might have been yeah. two magazines on the on the newsstand, but really, that's it. It wasn't like twenty four seven access to information about it. So, and yeah, people did used to think it was real. That was the whole. That's how it got over. I mean, it wasn't intended to be theater from the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sure even in the early '80s, maybe beyond that, you'd have people. I don't want to single out the South, but the South. I'm going to anyway. Yep. People in the South. Okay, let's say to be fair, the Mid South. Oh yeah. They too. I'm sure there are people who lived their lives and died thinking the whole thing was real and just and cursing the heels. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's stories of people like pulling knives on like little old ladies pulling knives on heels. (laughs) It's like, you know, that's they think it's real. So and I wish there was more of that. uh, It's hard to to believe. Yeah. It's hard to believe that that could happen today. But I suppose there are pockets of because it's so easy to find out that it's, quote unquote, not real. Yeah. You know, back, whereas back in the 80s, it would have been hard. You had to go out of your way to find out what the deal was. When 2020 did that whole thing with John Stossel, when Dr. D smacks him upside the head, that was a big deal. Right. I watched that the evening it premiered. That was a big deal. Suddenly it was like, what the fuck's going on? He's, I thought it was fake. Right. He just slapped him. He right. just knocked the crap out of this guy. It's not fake. And that was, to me, that's thrilling. That's what's interesting about it. And when, when, I, when I do get passionate about certain things about wrestling, that's the kind of stuff. Like the mass transit incident. Not that I want to see anybody get hurt, but I'm endlessly fascinated by that because yeah. there's so many layers of realness to that that it's just it's so fascinating. And yet that's the kind of stuff that I can still I remember seeing back in the 80s. I remember seeing some clip on it wasn't the WWF. It was whatever the other one was in uh, NWA. Uh, I, yeah, it could have been. I'm thinking Gordon Soley was probably the uh, probably I can, AWA. I can voice. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. but I, I can just hear his voice, and it was he was doing a it was a recap of something that happened at a house show or some show the other night, uh, and it was somebody who threw now of course I know it was flash paper, but the idea was that he lit his eyes on fire. Oh right, yeah. I was just I was fascinated by that at the time, you know, and nobody could tell me 
oh, it's fake. Right, right. Yeah, what's weird is they still use the flash paper thing. I don't know if you saw Alexa Bliss do that to Randy Orton a few weeks ago, but it's still a thing. You would think, you know, it, it was probably one of the more less believable aspects of wrestling, and yet it's one that they continue. But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. By the way, when we interviewed Mikey Whipwreck a few weeks ago on Fight Guys. Great interview, by the way. Thank you, thank you. What did you think about his take on New Jack? Because I asked him about New Jack, and he said, as far as the mass transit incident, which he was there for, that yeah. he was like, yeah, it's fucked up, but like, uh, I don't know, I don't know the whole story, and I like New Jack, so, you know, yeah. whatever. I was a little put off by that. I think it was diplomatic. I mean, you have to keep in mind that, I mean, I know he's not an active wrestler now, but he's still in the business to some degree, right? Yeah. And you don't want to burn bridges, and... Also, I would imagine not being a wrestler, but I would imagine that there's a certain amount of what soldiers have that would go through combat and sure. do this day in, day out, whatever. And yeah, even if even if you find out that one of the guys in your platoon is a bad guy, he's still in your platoon and your tendency is to maybe if it comes down to defending New Jack or some interviewer who, who's of course, he's going to take a side of his friend. Right. You know? right. I, I don't think he said anything that was. I remember him, him saying that. I don't think it didn't feel like it was out of line to me or, or like he was making excuses. It felt more like, I mean, there are people, you know, Jerry Lewis, comedian, everybody in show business has a Jerry Lewis is a prick story. Everybody. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Everybody. But you'll find one person who's like, well, he was always nice to me. Mm. And yeah, of course. Corey Feldman says, well, Michael Jackson didn't rape me. Well, okay, he didn't rape everybody. <laughs> yeah. He didn't rape everybody. He didn't right. have time to rape everybody. That's true. That's no offense, Corey. It's just, he, he was had... too high profile anyway. He also had plenty, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I it, it put me off, though, because, like, he had just, we had just asked him about the, the Goldberg Undertaker story where he, they you know, they were talking about how wrestlers are soft today. Young wrestlers are, like, you know, not as tough as the old wrestlers. And, like, he agreed with that for the most part. Like, he was saying, like, you know, people don't pay their dues like they used to. And then he goes into, I love New Jack, and I'm not going to condemn the mass transit incident. Seemed a little weird to me. I mean, it felt like almost he was condoning a, a degree of, I think he even said at the time, I think the kid deserved it a little bit or something. He said something mm -hmm. like along the lines of like, I think the kid shouldn't have gotten in there or something. And I mean, that's true. He shouldn't have gotten in there. But the order of things he said was a little bit, felt a little bit fucked up to me. Well, my understanding is that the kid got a lot of backstage heat. Yeah. We don't know exactly what he said or did. I would never say, oh, yeah, I think the kid deserved getting almost, yeah, you know, bleeding to death yeah. almost. But I can understand saying, yeah, he should have gotten slapped down a little bit because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. I can maybe see excusing New Jack up to the point where he cut him too deep right. and saying, okay, everything else is fine. He just cut he cut him too deep. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, which wouldn't make New Jack necessarily a, a, an evil person if that's yeah. the case. Knowing what we know about his his other yeah quote unquote feuds with people <laughs> or or attempted murders yeah. of people. I can see defending a friend like that, and especially if he really was a friend, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, if, if maybe he had Mikey's back. You never really know, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. and again, it's like deconstructing the whole mass transit incident, I can see that if he hadn't cut him so deep, it really wouldn't have been a story, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. It wasn't that he was beating the shit out of the kid. Nobody cared right. about that. Right. That happens all the time. Yeah. It's a squash. So, but if he, if he had just given him some color the way... You normally do it, it wouldn't have been a story, right? Well, the thing about that is, like, I mean, I think he he continued to dig himself a hole a little bit after that because he got on the mic and he was like, "I want to kill that kid" or whatever. He said, he, you know, I forget what he said exactly, but something along the lines of, 
you know, I'm going to kill him. I want to kill him. <laughs> and but that's in character. That's well, in character. Also, not knowing the extent of the kid's injuries, too. That's what I, what I was going to say, though, is th- that's what people that's how people defend it is that, yeah, that was in character. So you can't really count that as part of the whole incident. He wasn't actually trying to kill him, but he was a good guy at the time who was just straight up babyface who would always come to the defense of other babyfaces like Tommy Dreamer and that sort of thing. So that's not a character who would get on the mic and say, I'm going to kill that kid for getting in the ring, you know? I believe that based on his other actions, his other actual attempted murders that he has now, you know, admitted were attempted murders in interviews and stuff, that I think that probably was too. Maybe he didn't want to kill him. Maybe he just really wanted to, like, you know, hospitalize him, very badly injure him. Yeah. And that's still... He was indifferent to it. Yeah. Right. If he had died, I don't think New Jack would have cared. And that's just as bad, so... Watching the Vic Grimes incident, right. I mean... There's no way he shouldn't be in jail for that. Right. It just, although, I mean, I guess you can, you can argue that, it, that there were two performers and so Grimes was partially responsible for not, but for he missing the tails. tased the guy. <laughs> yeah. He tased the guy so he couldn't even move. He couldn't right. jump. Yeah. That's the part that keeps getting lost in the story. It's not like, yeah. you know, New Jack says, well, Vic was supposed to jump and then he chickened out and so I pushed him. But no, you tased him. Right. So he was paralyzed. He could, <laughs> he had, he, he tried to murder the guy. I'm he sorry, did. New Jack, if you're listening yeah. to this, but. Allegedly. I hope he's not listening to this. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, and, and then there was the other, uh, you know, the Gypsy Joe incident as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like that one, like he he was never going to successfully kill him in that one. You know, that one was probably the furthest yeah. from it. But he beat him so badly and said during the match. I mean, that could have also been a character. I don't know if the context of what his character was at that point in time. But like he was beating the guy and he was saying to the crowd, "I'm going to kill him." I think that's one of the cases where he said later. I wanted to kill him or something along those lines. And I don't know how much he's when he's in interviews, I don't know how much he's telling he's being honest or how much he's still kind of trying to play up that he's a gangster or something. That seemed like an incident as well, where he was taking a guy who that actually was an experienced wrestler, but he was an old fragile man and taking that opportunity to like at least hospitalize him, which he did. And I think later Gypsy Joe had some sort of stroke or heart attack and died. Right. So I don't think those are unrelated. So nobody I, should have booked that match. Right. Let's, be, let's be honest. But, and nobody should have booked mass transit. Paul Heyman shouldn't have booked mass transit that night either. But yeah, it's most wrestlers are supposed to protect other wrestlers, even if they're inexperienced or whatever. So shooting on anybody is inexcusable unless it's retaliation for somebody for them shooting on you first or something like that. You know, like even like William Regal trying to embarrass Goldberg in that match. I thought it was hilarious because uh, Goldberg sucks and I'd like to see somebody show him how to wrestle. But He's a new guy who they're trying to push, and Regal just decides, you know, you know what? No, I'm going to no-sell all his moves, and I'm just going to try to roll him up into a bunch of submissions and make him look like shit. And then so they fired Regal for that, which I think is justified, because that's not how you're supposed to conduct yourself, punching him for real in the face. So it's like, at that point, even even like as simple as punching somebody for real in a wrestling match, which is pretty simple, and I think a lot of wrestlers do that to just show they're tough or whatever in the ring. That is should only ever happen if they punched you first for real. I don't understand where that comes from either. You, yeah. it's you're just assaulting them like just because in the context of a fake fighting deal doesn't mean real fight it's not real fighting you know right i guess i would hazard a guess that again not having done this but i would guess that wrestling in match after match there's so much precision involved and there's so many opportunities where you could err and hurt somebody or get hurt you have to have the trust between the two performers and i imagine at a certain point if you feel like the other person isn't for whatever reason, like is shooting on you or for whatever or whatever, I can uh, maybe see letting the emotions get to me mm. and feel like, well, fuck this. If he's going to hit me, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm really going to yeah. hit him. I can get, I, I sort of get that, you know, 
But with the mass transit thing, what I can't stop thinking about is how many times did they get away with it, mm. right? How If Heyman was so reckless or whoever, whoever, there were a lot of people who were very reckless that night. If they were always that reckless, then they probably got away with it a lot of times. Yeah. Where, you know, something happened that could have been really, really bad, but because of luck, didn't happen. Yeah. There was that one incident, too, where um, I think it was Terry Funk or, or Mick Foley or somebody threw a fireball. or I think it was not actually flash paper this time. I think it was an actual fireball of some kind. <laughs> and part of it, like some of the flame hit somebody in the crowd. And they sued, successfully they sued ECW for a oh. lot of money. But they had been like a super fan. And somebody else, I think it was at ringside, and I think Mick Foley says this in one of his books, somebody else was at ringside and also got hit with some of the flame and uh, was like, oh, that was awesome. It was like brushing ashes off of themselves. So it's like there's so yeah. many of those things that could be probably or could be considered negligence by a corporation like that, by WWE even. I mean, WWE has killed and, and severely injured plenty sure. of people who work for them. So like, yeah, there's got to be situations where just the person's been like, yeah, no, this is so cool. I just got several of my teeth knocked out because I sat, I was in the front row and somebody just decided to punch me. But hey, it's worth it though because like it was a great match and I'm front row. That's the ECW style, I think, of fan. Sure. Well, what happens is they go home and they tell their friend, yeah, who tells another friend who happens to have a lawyer in the family, and is like, oh, you know what? There's a right. lawsuit in this. Whereas they might not have even thought about that. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Prior to. Yeah. The other thing, actually, I want to ask you because um, you since you've been a fan since the '80s and I've only watched that stuff recently. You know, the stuff from mm-hmm. through the '80s and and through. 90s and even early 2000s i hadn't watched you know obviously live when you look at like the quality of the show at the time and then compare it to like the way it is now what how do you see it which one's better i think they're so so different mm-hmm. really it's it's kind of like watching if you go to youtube and look at a an nfl game from the 70s say yeah. it's shot totally different i mean they use different cameras different angles it's just a whole different thing now they've got drones yeah. So that, you know, they have basically any portion of the field can be covered at any moment. So probably just simpler, you know, probably yeah. the production value of WWF was always way higher than the other mm-hmm. uh, Southern organizations, whatever. The thing about the, the celebrities, the, the WrestleMania, is that it isn't like suddenly they became mainstream. These were basically grade D level celebrities. Yeah. Vince took whatever he could get. Just any rub from celebrity was enough for him. Yeah. So if you look back at those early WrestleManias and they've got, I mean, okay, Muhammad Ali was a big star, obviously. Yeah. But then you've got Liberace, who was a big star in the 60s, but by right. this point he was just a complete laughing stock. It wasn't like he brought eyes to the uh, matches. And then you had like Cy Sperling, the hair club for men guy, <laughs> you know, a few years later. Right. But still, it's like, that's what Vince thinks of celebrity as basically anybody that's on TV. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, to a degree, is, is what we're living in now. I yeah. mean, we're fucking my the my pillow guy is a celebrity we know the guy's name and yeah because he's on tv i honestly could um, not tell you his last name i've been calling him mike pillow this whole time what is his mike last lindell name? lindell that's lindell. right soon to be Gross. inmate number four six three two five <laughs> yep for sure that is what happens but yeah, at least yeah, he's no, gonna the, the lose all his fortune but yeah but there was the MTV angle, mm-hmm. you know, and that was not Vince's idea at all. That totally was handed to him by Cindy Lauper's boyfriend at the time, right. who was also her manager. Yeah. And he was a big wrestling fan. And he called up Captain Lou Albano, who was a heel manager at the time, and said, could you be in this video? He's like, OK. And he did. <laughs> and yeah. so then suddenly it's like, 
and that was, and it was a huge video too. It was like the number one video on MTV for a long time. And suddenly it's all these people are like, who's that guy? And then Vince is like, oh, the MTV association kind of catapulted them into the next level. I was in Los Angeles when the first uh, WrestleMania was on, and I had just moved out there, and I kept seeing these commercials for WrestleMania. WrestleMania, oh, it's going to be so great, and finally, tickets are on sale tomorrow at 7 a.m., and it said, New York, where was the first one? What was the first one held? First one was MSG. First one. Uh, I think you're it thinking was MSG. the second, because the second one, they had the three locations. Uh, one of them was LA. Right, well, th- what happened, this was the first one, oh, and it's, it, it said, like, tickets are going on sale tomorrow for New York, Los Angeles... Chicago, maybe, or Detroit, or whatever. And I thought, oh, they're going to have stadiums in all three places, and great. So I was working with a woman whose husband was a wrestling fan, and he was off that day, I guess, or whatever, and so he was going to call in and get us tickets. Very excited. WrestleMania tickets. And then he comes back and says, it's actually in New York. It's not in Los Angeles. They're selling tickets to go sit in the forum and watch it on a screen, on a pay-per-view screen. Right. Close for like a hundred bucks. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, no, what? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. So I didn't get to see the first WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. But, At the time, yeah. you couldn't have gotten it off of uh, off of the Pirate Bay. No, no. You had to wait. You had to wait until... It wasn't too long, I think, before they, they put the tape out. Right. You know, it seemed right. like they capitalized on that pretty quickly. Yeah, they had to. I was going to say, the uh, if you'd waited one year, you would have gotten to see uh, one-third of uh, WrestleMania 2 in Los Angeles, because they did exactly what you thought they were going to do. They had the, the oh, triple. That's right. Yeah. And let's see. You would have gotten. Oh, okay. So you would have gotten the Hogan Bundy match. There you go. Inside a oh, cage. Oh, man. Which was, you know, terrible match, but it was the official main event. So it works. In Chicago, you would have gotten Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake versus the Bulldogs as the main event. So. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and New York got the Battle <laughs> Royal with Andre and the football players. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. And there was the Piper Shit. Mr. T. King Kong Bundy. Match. I'll never understand what happened to King Kong Bundy. Yeah. And he, he was, and I don't think he ever understood either what happened. I read an interview with him and he was like, they just stopped calling me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they literally just stopped calling me. He was, he main evented WrestleMania too. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and then, uh, I met him at a comic convention and, um, took a photo with him and he puts his arm around me and we, we look at the guy taking the picture and he says, okay, smile and say pussy. <laughs> So if you see the photo nice. of me, you, are you mid set mid word? Me are both saying pussy. Nice, nice. That's great. <laughs> I was, you know, I think I was, I was there, right? I was in the background of that. It's possible. I kind of don't remember. Yeah, honestly, I remember certainly meeting Piper. Right. With you, he was so wonderful. I mean, he really was just a, such a wonderful person. Yeah. And he just he got down on your level. You were, I think, five, and he got down on his on his, uh, you know, squatted. Looked right into your eyes and said, Jack, you got God dust in your eyes. I and do. It just yeah. melted my heart. I mean, he was, <laughs> it was so, <laughs> even as an atheist, I understand what that means. Sure. You know, it's just a really nice thing to say. Do you? Because when I think about it, I, I still don't really know what God dust is. Would it be like, ref, like a reflection of like stardust or I, I'm confused where that comes from. Well, don't confuse it with angel dust. Oh, okay. That's right. more of a Jeff Hardy thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I think what he I think what he's saying is that that God or the universe or whatever is beauty, and you can see reflections of God in all things that are beautiful, like flowers or the smile of a little puppy dog's face, or if you're King Kong Bundy, then pussy. 
just all the beautiful things, you know, I think that that's what he was saying is that right. he looked, it, there's God in your eyes. Right. Whatever he meant specifically, it was a nice thing. And the sentiment. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper is interesting because, so would you consider him still your favorite of all time? Absolutely. Okay, all right. No question. Because I, even when, you know, when I watch his old stuff from WWF now, I still love it. And he's, his promos are incredible. And his matches were, were actually, I think his match quality, very underrated. The match with Bret Hart at WrestleMania was really great. So I absolutely, that era. But did you ever watch him in WCW? Because he went way downhill as soon as he jumped ship. <laughs> Yeah, I've only watched uh, some of that after he did They Live, right? And then he came back. Yeah, well, he went back to WWE at that point and uh, and fought Goldust at WrestleMania, okay. which in you know in my memory and even watching it is is pretty fun to watch. Is like a weird match where they use the OJ chase footage to okay. show him chasing him on the freeway. I don't know why they couldn't have just taken footage of two other cars, but maybe that was the joke. I, I'm not sure, but you know, still even watching it now, that match is pretty great to watch. Piper getting hit, like, just rammed with Goldust Gold Limo. and But I watched it chronologically, because I've been recently re-watching the Attitude Era. And yeah. at that one, the storyline leading up to it was pretty fucked up, because it, it was just that Roddy Piper was basically going up to Goldust and saying, you're gay, and because you're gay, you have no place in wrestling, and I am basically going to show you that I'm a real man, and that I'm more manly than you, and so we should fight in a street fight, so that I can not only beat you, but, like, emasculate you and then you know the, the match ends up with him ripping off Goldust's jumpsuit to reveal that he's wearing like women's underwear so it's just it's a whole thing i do remember that Did, yeah uh, to be fair did, didn't they dance around they never actually said gay or homosexual or anything right didn't they it's obviously more than implied but i think they were very careful in the way that they never said that Goldust had tourettes right they, they <laughs> just said he had a condition right <laughs> they really did because that, yeah. because people would get upset Tourette's yeah. people by the time they eventually spit the words out <laughs> but, but, but you <laughs> no they get really upset right here, you know they get upset a lot <laughs> <Right>. faster <laughs> they're more often <laughs> they're upset when they're not upset exactly <laughs> they say motherfucker when they're not upset so what <laughs> right right see here's the thing I, th- I always thought that was the case too that they were dancing around and they did their best to not i don't think they ever said the word gay if unless i'm mistaken but i think they did did worse because i remember jerry lawler i watched a promo where he he comes out and his whole promo was uh he comes out, he takes the mic, and he just says to to Goldust, "Hey, aren't you uh, you, you know, a little, you know?" And Goldust is like, "What are you trying to say?" And he goes, "Aren't you a little queer?" And that was the promo. And oh, yeah, that, I did like, see that. And it didn't even get a boo; it got a cheer from the crowd. <laughs> and uh, and the commentator, like Jr., is just going, "Oh, oh, did he really say that?" Not like, "Oh my God, he's a heel." Just like, "Whoa, he said a thing," you know. It wasn't even considered like a the lowest heel move. It was like, I mean, everybody's just like, I mean, yeah, isn't he? And I'm pretty sure that Roddy Piper said the same thing during that storyline, something along those lines. But he at least implied it, you know, as heavily as he could. And of course, there's the women's underwear thing. But they tried to backtrack it as much as possible because I think there was like a they were threatened with some sort of organization, Garrett's organization at the time, threatened them with like they were like, you know, this character is is offensive and. You need to tone it down. And by the way, this is a trivia question at my uh, at the trivia tournament was which major wrestling company has not been sued by gay rights organizations. And uh, <laughs> the answer was WWE because WCW and TNA have both been sued by GLAAD. Oh, interesting. WWE has been threatened with a lawsuit. Never actually officially sued. Uh-huh. That was the trick okay. question. Um, Undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're defeated in a lot of other lawsuits, but... <laughs> 
But yeah, they I think they were like basically threatened and they were like, you need to tone down the character. So their version of toning down the character was not, oh, well, yeah, he's he's gay, but let's make it an empowering character because, you know, it was the 90s. So the, the version of, the, of that was, oh, next week he's going to come out and reveal actually he has a wife and he's completely, totally straight. And all that we've implied over the last few years is just a lie and not part of his character. So just forget that, please. And then they just lean back into it later. Like they just were just like, I guess we, I don't know. They're not currently threatening us with any more legal action. We could just make him seem really overly, you know, homoerotic again. We could just totally do that. And they just did it again. And then I think, I don't know what happened, but at some point along the line, they were like, let's maybe not do this. And then they had him do the Tourette's gimmick, which was another trivia question on the trivia tournament was what was the other effect at something along the lines of what was the other effect of that? It turned him straight as well, officially. Like he comes out and was like, I'm straight. So, uh, Which might have been the Tourette's, I guess. He might not have actually been. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know where it's... That led to... Because after that match, he I think that was his, his contract was up or something. And he, he left and went to WCW. And then got even worse. Because I think he realized... I think he turned the, the sort of like homophobia into his gimmick. So he decides to come out at every promo. where No matter who he's fighting. He has to just all but say that his opponent is actually gay. Or that if he's got two enemies, that they're actually like sucking each other off backstage. And he just like says it in every promo. He's like, "Hey, I heard Hogan and Bischoff they share a dressing room. I wonder, I wonder what they're doing out there in their dressing room, you know?" And just all but actually, he would do all but say they were gay, and then he would say they're gay. So that was his gimmick, and it was coupled with just the worst matches you ever have seen. I don't know what happened because he actually was a really good wrestler. I think he had some the hip injuries, but. He had, like, what are widely considered the worst matches in WCW are, like, him versus uh, Hogan, and uh, I think him versus Savage was also, like, a notoriously bad one. So, it just, yeah, it fell apart very fast, and they still pushed him as, like, a main face for a long time. He was still popular, though, with the crowd, because they, again, it was the 90s, and they are going to cheer the, I guess, just the gay insults is is what they'll cheer. Um, So, it worked. It worked. I'll give him credit. Here's one thing I want to say that, that... really impressed me when you and I were going to shows yeah. in my day and even past my day, I think the stereotypes, ethnic stereotypes, racial stereotypes were such a part of wrestling that when we were at a show and uh, Sonny Kiss appeared. Yeah. Sonny Kiss is a person whose persona is, I don't know that he says he's gay or whatever, but he's but flamboyant, wears hot pants, makeup. It's very, you know, it's flouncy and he's a face. Mm-hmm. And that impressed the hell out of me. And I didn't hear a single homophobic remark from anybody in the crowd. And that's not to say that people weren't thinking it, but especially, you know, you got people at these shows yelling out stuff and it's all fun. And you, you try to yell, especially at the heels. Mm-hmm. But the fact that nobody was doing that just impressed the heck out of me because in the eighties and the nineties under Vince, that character would be a heel. Yeah. And we would be taunting him. We would be ma- we were we would be encouraged to make homophobic remarks from the audience. That's mm-hmm. how he would play it. So I don't know if that means there's a big shift in things suddenly, or if it means I haven't been paying attention, and so there has been a gradual shift, and now we're at this point. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you notice? You must if like if you're watching, say the the Attitude Era, you must notice a big difference in their in what's said and what's implied, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, not just by the wrestlers, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that's what you, what you mean here that the fans and the wrestlers are equally, I guess it's just a product in general of like the culture has changed a lot in the last 20 years, but 
wrestling has always been supposed to be like the quote-unquote lowbrow form of entertainment and so it attracts the quote-unquote lower class people you know that's the idea so of course you're going to see a lot of homophobia and racism and sexism from the crowd in that's the stereotype i guess and that's that was very true until recently but i think part of it is maybe just the the crowds that we see at a lot of these in, uh, new york indie shows a big portion of them are non-white a lot more women coming to shows these days it's in general shifting demographic i think in wrestling fans i mean it's probably younger and younger wrestling fans as well not just kids but like you're seeing a lot of you know people in their 20s and 30s seeing shows where usually at, at a small indie show you might just see people in their 60s or whatever i feel like the demographic has changed in a lot of ways so that's part of it but yeah like you said the attitude era i was watching a show recently i think it was 98 and uh dx was was in the ring doing one of their you know shticks and they literally like actively the camera cut to a sign in the crowd that the sign was I don't mind coloreds, but I hate queers. And um, okay, just, there's no context for that in, in which, like, in wrestling, that that would like make sense with like the storyline or something. So right. he just wanted to say that he wanted everybody to know. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't they take that sign on his way in? I'm not sure, but um, they've inspected my signs before when I've brought Go Seth Rollins signs. So I don't know. Well, can you bring a you, you can bring a, a sharpie in right in a, oh, in a sign true. and then write it. In your seat, King. I would that's imagine true. that's what happens. When... A lot of people do that for uh, specifically when they want to like self-promote or something, because they were not going to let you in with a sign that says "Follow me on Instagram." They usually confiscate them if it comes up on TV, though. But uh, so they might have taken them. But I, I would, I kind of, because it looked like it was like a young person too. It was like it was not like some some redneck with a, wearing a Confederate flag shirt just wandered into this show and just wanted to let you know that he hates queers. But it was some just like person my age who was just hanging out with his like frat boy friends, and they were just like. Yeah, I love, you know, wearing a uh, Stone Cold shirt or something. I don't know. I think, I mean, in general, you know, obviously just society and the way we talk and stuff is way different than it used to be. But like in wrestling, I think it's just, it's more clear because that's always been like the redneck sport. It's still looked at by the outside that way, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're right that since we're in New York, that's probably giving me a skewed. But then by the same token, I'm sure that if I were to go to a Jets game, I would hear every every racial epithet that I would hear at a Falcons game. Well, that's Jersey, though. Oh, that's that's true. Good right. point. Good point. No, no, New York Jets. New York. No, New York. They play yeah, in Jersey. Right. They just play and train in Jersey and live in Jersey. Yeah, but... I wonder how many people actually still... go to... Because I've, I've been to that arena for... I went to that arena for WrestleMania. The arena that the... You know, the... Uh, what is yeah. it called now? MetLife. And it took me so long to get... I mean, I granted, I took public transport, but I heard from some of my friends who took cars there that it still took a long time to get there. So how many people from New York are actually going to see the Jets? It's probably mostly people from New Jersey because it's close, you know? Yeah. So yeah. definitely Jersey too. Anyway. I love whenever I see a friend of mine wearing a Giants cap or a Jets cap. Giants, actually. I don't, I don't have any problem with the Jets, but point is, oh, are you from Jersey? And go, what? <laughs> That's awesome. You, you're, you're wearing a Giants cap. You must be from Jersey, right? right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to see... What the crowd is like when Sonny Kiss wrestles in, like, Kentucky. Like, how does that... Right. Does he wrestle in Kentucky? I, I mean, I, I honestly, if I were Sonny Kiss, I'd probably just straight up avoid taking bookings yeah. in a place like that. Because yeah. we were saying there's even still some fans today who are as passionate as those little old ladies who would try to stab wrestlers. There are still a couple of them who exist. You know, we see fans hop the guardrail. and Like, somebody tried to stab Dean Ambrose a couple years ago. There's the right. person who threw the money in the bank at, uh, at Roman Reigns' head. Right. Uh, you know, there's people who are still these crazy. F- oh, there was a 
the guy who tried to kidnap Sonya Deville a couple months ago. Oh, I don't know about that one. Oh, really? Yeah, it was uh, this guy. It was like there was a million like social media threats apparently that just nobody took seriously that like she reported where the, a guy was threatening to come to her house and kidnap her. Mm-hmm. And I think she reported them and it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, you're a celebrity. You get these things all the time. But then he was arrested right outside her house like he had been to her house. And uh, oh. she, I guess, was inside. I don't think he made it to the inside the house, but he made it up to the door so that they made eye contact and saw each other. And she was like, you know, fully traumatized by that. So they wrote her off the show. They had her lose a uh, loser leaves WWE match just so that she could not, she could take some time off. She's back now. So they, they never explained. Done a stalker angle. You should have had, you know. They've done it before. <laughs> the rest so well. stalker and. Uh, yeah exactly life imitates art imitates life yeah next time she comes out you know mysterious music hits and she looks oh it's the surprise return of the stalker (laughs) could happen i mean they basically did that gimmick with ddp and undertaker so right the reason i think it's funny is because it's not beneath him it's just that he hasn't thought of it (laughs) that's the only reason he hasn't done it (laughs) yeah by the way i always wish they would do one of those like this is your life segments but for real like actually like they don't the wrestler doesn't know what's going to happen like, they have The Rock come out, and then they're like, this is your actual high school girlfriend and your actual elementary <laughs> school teacher, and have them say real things that they don't like about him or whatever. I mean, I think Mankind could have been a four-time world champion if that happened. But, by the way, did you see that, the segment with Bailey and Alexa Bliss, This Is Your Life one? No. Oh. No. Missing out. It's considered, like, the worst <laughs> wrestling segment in modern history by a lot of people now. It's, oh, wow. That, I will check it out then, for sure. Yeah. it's. Uh, I don't even know if it's worth watching, though, because it's, it's basically just, like debilitating cringe like alexa bliss like really did try to put her all into that performance and make it a because consi- she is good on the mic she was the only part of that segment that seemed like it was trying to make itself entertaining but the script she was given was terrible bailey's performance as like a good guy at the time was just like so wooden and i think it was the second time i'm not sure but i think it was the second time ever they've done this is your life and the first time was the highest rated segment you know in raw history it was done so well everybody loves it so they decided to, oh, we're going to do the Rock and McFoley segment, but we're going to do it with Bailey and Alexa Bliss. So this can't go wrong. But it wasn't even really their fault because then they bring out who's supposed to be, I forget exactly what the bit was, but it was supposed to be like her best friend comes out. They had a couple other people come out too and it just cut like cringeworthy promos, but her high school boyfriend comes out and then her like her friend from middle school or something comes out as well. Like, And then they just start like making out in the middle of the ring. And the whole bit, the whole like swerve, I guess, was supposed to be like, oh, Alexa Bliss knew they liked each other or something and orchestrated this to embarrass Bailey. But it didn't really make sense. <laughs> they didn't really explain that later either. So we just have to infer that that's the case. And it was also just like the crowd was silent. Like they just like start kissing and everybody just goes like, oh, uh, like you hear like for a second, like, oh, and then just everybody's confused. So just everybody's just sitting there in silence. And Bailey's trying to react, but she's not a very good actor either. So she's like trying to be like, oh, my God. But she's just like, what? And Alexa Bliss is like trying to be like, ah, ha, ha, look what I did. But nobody can figure out what she did. So one of the worst wow. things ever. I will check anything that's the worst. Yeah, I will check out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't get the worst. Oh, I was going to say that Vince, Vince uh, um, referenced it recently on an episode where he he came out and I think he was trying to be like, hey, guys, I'm self-aware. And he like was talking about. He's like, oh, the greatest segments. He's like, talk, he's like listing like the greatest matches or something. And then he's like, and we've had we've had the gobbledygooker, and we've had Bailey. This is your life, you know. So he's like trying to say these are the bad segments. Ha ha, we're laughing. Uh, Vince, you wrote these things. It was not that long ago. You, it was you who wrote this, you know. You could have just not done it if you knew it was bad. But I don't know. I guess he does write like five hours of TV every week, so give him a break, maybe. I guess. 
How about this? What the fuck's wrong with Jericho? Oh my god. There's a segue for you, right? So, for those of you listening who don't know, I have tried on my podcast to bring up this topic, and my co-host Phil does not want to have any of it. We both love Chris Jericho, but he won't even engage in this discussion. I'm not totally sure why, but Chris Jericho is, I don't think he's ever, well, I don't know. I mean, I would say in his early parts of his career, seemed like a pretty intelligent guy. You know, he was always consistently funny and he would write his own promos and stuff like that. So we knew he at least was witty or whatever. His podcast for a while was good. He was a good interviewer. You know, he's good at, at presenting. He seems like he's a decently smart guy, but then he has ramped up having, you know, over the last few years, conspiracy theorists and what have you on his podcast. And then that's led to, well, I want to hear your take on it because I've talked, I think, a lot about this in the past. I mean, just to follow up, you, you were saying um, he on his podcast, he had uh, Donald Trump Jr. on right. to promote his ghostwritten book. <laughs> Recently, he had a QAnon person on. And that's when I went, uh, okay, I love Chris Jericho probably as much as you do. He yep. is, Roddy Piper is my number one all-time favorite, and Chris Jericho is number two. Right. So that's how it goes. Mick Foley's number three for keeping score at home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Who's number four? Uh, I don't have a number four. Really? Oh, <laughs> you got to round it out. Yeah. You're mm. right. I'll, I'll come up. Do you have a number five? <laughs> I do have a number five. It's not a number four. Oh, that's really? Okay. No, I just keep that. I reserve that space because right. there's got to be somebody. Just, <laughs> you reserve that space for yet. when there's somebody you like enough. Yeah. So you yeah, only have you. three wrestlers you like. Yeah. Right. Right. Plus five. I got number five. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Four. Virgil's probably number five. That's fair. Virgil, good point. Yeah. Um, just in the sake of you know for inclusion because those are all white guys otherwise. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, nobody would include virtual anything. Probably. No, no. But uh, Chris Jericho is one of these guys like Joe Rogan, who I think are very credulous people. They conspiracy theories are interesting. They're fun. They're exciting. They make you think that you know something other people don't know. It's it's fun. I've been in, interested in lots of different conspiracy theories all, over time. But there's been a shift I think recently from fun to something quasi-religious and scary and yeah. violent. So Jericho and Rogan have this, well, I keep an open mind idea, but it's not an open mind. It's, it's not knowing when to shut the door. It's yep. You don't just believe everything. Jericho had the woman who came up with the Mandela effect, and he just bought every bit of it. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. so, you're, you're, it's so frustrating because you're, you're, trying to jump into the conversation and say, well, Chris, just point out this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, wow, that really is scary and never gets below the surface of, of it. It's all just, well, this is another person's opinion and it's good to get that out there in the marketplace of ideas, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, which in theory it is, but he still is curating his program. So by putting Donald Trump Jr. on, he is endorsing him mm -hmm. as much as he can pretend I'm just, giving all of everybody their own, you know, all sides, he is endorsing him. So that's on him. Yeah. But again, and I love to say you separate the art from the artist. He's still my second favorite wrestler. And I, and I think he's, I think history will probably show that he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. As, yeah. as far as how he, nobody has ever adapted the way he is adapted coming. He takes some time off. He comes back whole new character and it works. Yeah. And he really works on these characters. I mean, he's, I, th I think he's probably one of the smartest wrestlers out there. I can forget all this stuff. Oh, but, well, but recently we found out that his wife, in fact, 
stormed the Capitol building on yeah. January 6th. Yeah. And she posted photos to her Instagram. That takes it beyond a little bit because it's hard for me to picture a married couple where one of them thinks storming the Capitol is a good idea. And one of them, you can't really be neutral. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. So I think that he is probably, he probably feels that way too, but is savvy enough to know that it would really, really hurt his brand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he tiptoes around it. You know, he'll have a QAnon person on his show and kind of, you know, it's all kind of lighthearted and whatever, but he's smart enough to know. Yeah. Not to alienate yeah. people. I mean, that's true, but yeah, it's like with, with, so with Joe Rogan, at least Joe Rogan tries his best to have a balance of people on the left and on the right on his show so he can claim that he's, you know, just showing both sides and giving people the ability to voice their issues or whatever, but he definitely has more right-wing people on his show than left-wing, but, you know, he had Bernie Sanders on his show. He advocates for issues that are are more sensical, I guess. Is that the opposite of nonsensical? I don't know. It should Um, be. Yeah, yeah. So... Joe Rogan, I would give more credit than, well, I don't know. Actually, I was going to say that, but Joe Rogan has recently been promoting a conspiracy about COVID being fake that are his personal opinion, not having people on the show to say that, but yeah. saying it himself. And he's been pushing some weird semi-homophobic and transphobic stuff just out of nowhere. Like it just comes out of absolutely nowhere. And he's also been pushing like, uh, what's the other one? The uh, cancel culture thing. Like he believes that oh, yeah. he's on the side of, of the people, the right-wingers who think that they are being silenced, and the, right, the same right wingers who are on his show, the number one podcast in the world, yeah, right. being silenced. They're, they're, the conservatives who are screaming on every single media outlet that yeah. they're being silenced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. exactly. They must be. Um, I, I can't hear what they're saying, so I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, but like Joe Rogan's is is different because he at least has an air of, of uh, you know a balance of his guests, and Jericho basically has either he's either having wrestlers or like you know heavy metal band members on his show or he's having QAnon conspiracy theorists you know it's like it's that's it maybe he'll have somebody in the middle who is just some random like bigfoot conspiracy theorist or something but when he has anything to do with politics it's exclusively right-wing QAnon stuff so it's not a surprise to me that his wife in fact was at the capitol she claimed that she did not go anywhere near the building but i i don't know i mean they were all pretty close to the building and uh, she was still even if that's true she was still there yeah for a stop the steal rally yes which we know is bullshit. Right. So even if she she still she still did that. So yeah. yeah. And and yeah, to be passionate enough to uh, she also lives in Florida, so she flew out there. So to be passionate enough to listen to you know to to believe one that the election is stolen, which really you just have to be stupid. I mean, you could be stupid and believe that, but to then take that and turn it into action and commitment and fly to the, the Capitol building. There's no chance she didn't at least want to get very, very close to the building, if not inside, if she flew all the way there. I don't think she was standing a mile away, like she claimed she was, and just going, yeah, cool, or whatever. That was a very obvious, and I'm surprised that, I think you're right, that Jericho wouldn't ever be public about what he probably actually believes, because, you know, it would take away a huge part of his fan base, I would hope, at least, but... It, I'm surprised that he allowed, not that he should be controlling what his wife does, but like, I'm surprised he allowed that to happen. Like, those pictures got publicly, very publicly shared on her yeah. public Instagram. And well, I think it's not, actually, that's the weird thing, though. Her Instagram account is private. You have to follow her to see her post. She has to accept you. But then she not only posted it on there, but then she made it her profile picture. So you can see it if you go to her thing without following her. So it's just there. Okay. Yeah. It, she's right. got a hat that says Trump right there. So I don't know. But, um, 
she yeah. wasn't the smartest one, but that's... No, no, it's okay. They deserve each other. So I'm disappointed. And, you know, you said Jericho's your number two all time, and, and me and, and Phil both have him as our number one of all time. Chris Jericho's, you know, in a lot of ways what made me really... I think it's Jericho and Edge, pretty much, who made me really care a lot about wrestling and, uh, you know, get into specifically their, like, catalog of wrestling. So it's very disappointing to me. You know, I would never have expected... I think in the early days when Trump was first running, he was sort of subtly denouncing him. You know, he was like saying things that seemed like everybody was kind of saying at the time, like things that seemed subtly like, hey, maybe they were just like a Biden-esque, you know, we need more unity or whatever. But he was saying things like, you know, hey, we got a really divisive political climate right now. A lot of people are spreading lies. So it seemed like he was talking about Trump. Now I realize he was probably talking about the Democrats. So I don't know. You know, I figured he was probably a, a liberal. I figured he was probably not exactly a socialist like i might like but but i did not think he was the right wing he just seems too smart for that based on his wrestling catalog and based on the way he writes his storylines yeah but uh, you know to give him the benefit of the doubt it's possible that his wife is a complete lunatic right and he's a little bit of a lunatic right you know maybe he believes some of this stuff but doesn't feel passionate about it yeah i think that if a person is subjected to Fox News 24-7, they will have a skewed version of reality. Mm-hmm. And that's not to excuse them because anybody can change the channel, but it really is propaganda. And you know, there was a movie I mentioned on my podcast called The Brainwashing of My Dad, which is right. a woman chronicled. Your dad was like basically a Kennedy liberal, you know, mm-hmm. Kennedy, Kennedy Democrat. And once he started watching Fox News, she just noticed this gradual... Like his attitudes were changing, the things he would say were, were were changing. She started documenting, and over the course of a year, he changed into one of these Fox people. Yeah, and That's she just terrifying. you can you can watch it develop. Mm-hmm. You know, if that I mean, we're we're only any of us. We're all subject to our own senses. So your your political views or your your, your ethics or whatever are created by your observations and, and how you process information. And if you're given complete lies and only those lies, yeah. you kind of can't be expected to not believe them because they're not really lies. If that's, if that's what brainwashing is, yeah. you know, it works. They wouldn't have a word for it if it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it can be, actually, yeah. it can be like an, a an addiction in a way where it's like, if you see it once and they give you the specific narrative, you're probably going to tune in. If you feel like tuning in a second time, then you're probably hooked for a long, very long time. And you're not going to get out of it because their narrative is very specific. It's very much like what you see on the other stations is a lie. And so this is, we tell you the truth. These are things that are happening specifically that people are not talking about. So the fact that we're talking about them must mean we're saying something unique. And then they'll start to listen to, you know, watch Fox casually or whatever. And this may be a whole other topic, but it's, it's weird to me how it's like Fox very much like raised their viewers to leave the nest in a way that I don't think they ever expected where now their viewers are not even a lot of them are not even liking Fox and are going on to you know Newsmax and OAN and stuff like that because Fox is too liberal for them or whatever and I I think that seemed like it that was like in the DNA of Fox from the beginning because people like Tucker Carlson who will go on there and will just be like I don't know what the liberals are trying to do but like it's very clear that they're trying to do something and this is a thing that is close to what maybe they're trying to do. Hey, remember when Hitler said this thing that was specific, uh, specifically similar to something that Joe Biden said or whatever? So it's like he's always been edging them towards even further radical than Fox. So it should be no surprise to them that their viewers don't even think Fox is as trustworthy as other sources now. 
In a lot of ways, Fox created QAnon from the ground up because they, not just because of the politics they've created, but because they've created a, a completely fictionalized narrative of the world that really, yep. I mean, people, some people who were just complete loonies probably have believed this for decades before Fox was even super conservative, you know, in some way or another have believed it. But Fox created it and said, this is actually the way the world is and always has been. And boom, this is the thing. And I guess it's just good that there are more, and, you know, more non-Foxes than there are Foxes, that the rest of the, the stations, while they're obviously very flawed, are edge more liberal and towards truth way more so than Fox does. So it's good that there's not, it's not like there's a split of a whole bunch of conservative stations, a whole bunch of, you know, not, because it'll be worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, as bad as Jericho's views might be, I would still say that your generation of wrestlers, of which I guess Jericho's kind of in between us, our yeah. generations, he's not yours or mine, but I mean, the people that, you know, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and those people like that, because of where they came from and the time they came from, you'd be probably really hard pressed to find any one of those guys who isn't racist or homophobic. Really, I mean, really, honestly, yeah. you know, people growing up in Georgia, really, Ric Flair, <laughs> just because he's never been caught on mic saying anything, you know, the guy grew up that way. I'm pretty sure Ric Flair was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, by the way, been reported in the last few years that Ric Flair was overheard saying the N-word in the locker room. Yeah, I'm sure so there's that. And I'm sure that it exists. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. It would surprise me more if he hadn't. You know? Right. It really would. No, and just because that's that's the way it is. I'm not like you I'm not excusing people from a different generation. I'm just saying I would rather hang out with a random selection of today's wrestlers mm-hmm. than I would a random selection of those wrestlers. Hundred percent. Yeah. Just because of that. You know, I think even Piper, love Piper, because of where and when he was raised, he probably was raised with racist views. He probably yeah. was. You know, or homophobic, or both, or misogynist, or, or all homophobic. If you've heard his promos, yeah, 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 sure. But um, you know, and maybe he grew out of that in adulthood. I don't. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But somebody in Jericho's generation, it's a little harder to see. Yeah. Rogan had a program that went one season. Joe Rogan explains everything, right? Or what I call Joe Rogan falls for everything because <laughs> one episode was about Bigfoot, one was about you know whatever, and just completely uncritical. Mm-hmm. completely uncritical and that's i'm having an open mind that's right, the right. way they frame it but you got to close part of that mind so that the stuff stops going right through it you know right even like i mean the older generation it i think most people maybe it's just me but like it seemed like you could not really totally tell anybody's political views completely most people's political views completely until like trump you know became popular like where like everybody you could totally see what side of the fence they were on like when jerry lawler said on election day that he was voting for trump tatanka i saw all these people posting that they're voting for trump and i was like it shocked me at the time but now that i think about it it's like i guess that whole era you know you got hulk hogan saying the n-word you have rick flair probably you have you know i even watched a thing with uh, an interview with ddp recently where he says he voted for brian kemp in georgia so clearly i thought ddp was he's got the whole yoga thing he's saving people's literal lives that he was maybe a moral person but no and uh for the record, he opposes Kemp now because Kemp opened Georgia too early. That's his point of contention, not the rest of the stuff. But yeah, I think today's generation is better in so many ways, not just politically, but I feel like they just they just seem way more human than the old wrestlers did. You know, that like the whole thing that Undertaker and Goldberg were saying about modern wrestlers being soft and playing video games in the locker room as instead of, I don't know what, snorting coke? What, what do they want them to do? But they, I think that, 
cemented for me that I like today's generation of wrestlers better because they're just regular people, you know, I mean, maybe because they're closer to my age, but they seem a lot more like just kids who grew up watching wrestling like myself and who decided this is what I want to do as a career and I'm going to make it fun. I'm going to make it an art form and I'm going to help my friends succeed as well. And I'm not going to be just an asshole because I can be an asshole and try to kill any any uh, 17 year old who comes in taking a wrestling license. So I I think while yesterday's wrestlers raised me on wrestling, today's wrestlers are what wrestling should be closer to. I guess the other point I want to make too is that wrestling as an art form is when it's good, it's the greatest thing. I could not imagine watching it. Like I said earlier, I can watch a three hour raw and not a three hours binge watching a drama series. When it's good, it's like the great, my favorite thing, the greatest thing. And when it's bad, it's especially bad for TV and for you, Bailey, this is your life and these things. It's laughably bad. Like I remember showing my, like, I, I think it's different for people who are outside of wrestling and who haven't watched it before. Like I showed my friends this clip recently, but they, they actually showed it to me. They were like, I saw this gif, you know, can you explain the context behind this from wrestling? It was Vince blowing up in his limo. Like he closes the door and the limo blows up Oh yeah. and they were confused by it. So they just, they watched the whole, they pulled up the segment, the full segment on their phone and they're trying to get me to explain it, I guess. And I just had to sit there and realize to a lot of people, this is totally inaccessible because the way that, like they were laughing at the way Vince was walking down the hall, which actually granted is pretty funny because he has, he does the thing, but <laughs> That's bad, yeah. yeah, but he's like, he's, he's literally just walking and he like looked scared because I think the idea was that somebody was threatening to kill him and then they ended up actually killing him when the limo blew up, right? I think that was a storyline. Right. So he's like walking, he's like looking over his shoulder and they were just laughing at that. So I think the idea of wrestling for some people as a whole is a laughable concept even now, but when it's good, there is nothing else like it. And uh, I think a lot of the times these days, it's, it's very, very good. Well, people are conditioned to laugh at wrestling yeah. for starters. So, I mean, and that's just kind of all, they're always going to consider it a lower form of entertainment. Yeah. But yeah, and you take something like that out of context, it's probably hard to explain. That was the, that was jettisoned, right? When Benoit killed his family, allegedly. Yeah, I guess. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah, Phil still thinks he was, was murdered. I, I've never gotten that, but <laughs> did you hear yesterday at the... Uh, I wonder he doesn't want to talk about Jericho. <laughs> yeah, at the at trivia, I asked him, uh, I was like, this is a trivia question, but I only want Phil to answer it. And I said, was Chris Benoit murdered? And he, he like pauses for a second. He's like, should I actually try to get the point here? And he just goes, yes. And I'm like, yep, no point and move on. So he couldn't even do that. Sorry, but, that's incorrect. It was a murder-suicide. It's murder-suicide. Yeah, he in fact did kill his family and uh, himself. It, you were wrong. And then I asked him who won the, the Elimination Chamber match last week because he was so pissed off about Orton losing, just to rub it in. Oh. So, yeah, so Benoit, I think Benoit did a lot of, I don't know, it's a complicated scenario because I think he did a lot of good for... <laughs> I can't end that sentence well at all. There's no way to end that sentence well. He did good for yeah. what? His family? He did good for who? Um, well, look, look at it. Look at it this way. Yeah. As much trouble as you and I are having with Jericho, mm -hmm. at least Chris Benoit wasn't our favorite wrestler That's when that true. happened. I mean, mm -hmm. can you imagine? And in all seriousness, that must have really hurt some people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Obviously, it hurt people. You know, I'm not. <laughs> His wife and <laughs> um, hurt some more than others, obviously. Right, right. But still, I mean, if if you really had your emotions wrapped up in this person, then mm -hmm. he did that. If Jericho killed his family right now, right. Uh, I'd, I probably would reevaluate a yeah. lot of things I think about him. Yeah, I can separate the art from the artist up to a point, but I mean, I was never attached to Benoit, so I can kind of I can take him or leave him. It doesn't yeah. hurt me to watch a match. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, before we wrap things up, how about a quick F. Mary kill? Not to be confused with F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> right, right. Different game totally. entirely. Okay, here you go. You ready for this one? Yeah, absolutely. F. Mary Kill, Degeneration X. The original one. Oh. We're talking Triple H, you got uh, Shawn Michaels, and you got China. <sighs> yeah. Okay, this is tough. This is tough. Okay. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the I think the easy Mary... All right, this is going to sound... All right, all right. The, I would marry I would marry Triple H because I think that he has a lot more longevity as a personality and a person. You had Shawn Michaels in the old days being a total asshole. These days, uh, just a Jesus freak. So either generation of Shawn Michaels is great to watch on TV, but I wouldn't want to be around him for very long. So I'm going to go marry Triple H, and this might shock you. Fuck Shawn Michaels. And I would kill China because, um, uh, well, she is the, one, the dead one out of the three, so it would be easy. But right, on top right. of that, I just, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it is it is in fact China, is it not? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with you yeah. because, I mean, pragmatically speaking, China is already dead, so you wouldn't have to kill her again. It's true. Right? Yep. But you're obviously going to have to F a dude. So. Mm-hmm. But if I then had to, you, it would be Shawn Michaels, yeah. I must say. Well, I, was think, I, was think, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I would go with marrying Triple H because you got that money. Yeah. That's right? true, So too. when you divorce yeah. him, you got the money. Shawn... Yeah, you're, no matter you're still you're you're gonna be stuck effing a dude. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, no matter how this this one shapes up, but yeah. that's probably how I would would do it. <laughs> no matter which uh, of the three. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, if China were still alive, it would complicate things. Would it complicate things? That's kind of an easy out. I that's true, but I don't know. It depends on which era of China. If it was China, like right before she died, versus China in the '90s. China in the '90s, I would reevaluate. China right before she died. I think would not warrant being in the other two categories. All right. Well, from my perspective, and not uh, not to go all homophobic, but if I had to choose between China and uh, one of those two dudes, it's probably going to be China. Wow. All right. Probably going to be China. All right. Yeah. Right. I mean, provided she's alive. You know? Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, but again, not to be homophobic. They're, I'm sure they're wonderful gentlemen. And I'm sure they would treat me like a gentleman would. Right. is it wait is it homophobic to say that you wouldn't have sex with a man i don't think that's a thing i think there's somebody who feels that way i know that there are people who believe that if you say you don't want to have sex with a trans person makes you transphobic right so uh, it's not much of a stretch is it regardless i would still pick Shawn michaels over china and that's my final verdict (laughs) well he's kind of handsome yeah you you mean with the hair though right oh 100 Without the hair is it's no contest <laughs> contest because that is not a look. All right. And with the okay, also so the me, eye, the eye is another issue. Let me just recap. Yeah. So you're saying that you wouldn't fuck Shawn Michaels right. unless he had long hair. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. And if he wore yeah. a China mask, then that would complicate things even further, you know. But the I don't even know what that means. I just said it. Uh, <laughs> see, the yeah yeah I would say because. It's tough, though, because for most of his career, he didn't even really have that much hair anyway. His hairline was receding from, like, 96 and just kept going back, you know, until it was just gone. So, yeah, yeah and, of course, his eye also kept getting worse. There was – he always had something weird with his eye, but then he got smashed into the Gerotron, and now it's just, wow. like, hanging out of his head. So. I didn't notice. So he has, like, a lazy eye or something? I didn't notice. Very lazy, yeah. It's – uh, it, it, like, dangles, like, down here, kind of. And it's also, like – it looks like a perpetual black eye. 
Like it's just kind of a little bit darker than the other one. So his strategy is he wears the cowboy hat to the ring and he pulls it down a little bit so that it looks like there's a shadow on his eye instead of just a fucked up eye. Okay. Yeah. Just to go along with his lazy work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the the best thing that Jericho ever did, or the sorry, the worst thing Jericho ever did was not having Donald Trump Jr. on his podcast. It was breaking Shawn Michaels' beautiful face. That's my hot take. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That is actually what happened, I think. I think that's what messed up his eye, was that he threw him into the thing, the Jeratron TV. Oh, wow. Which is, seems like it would be something that Shawn would be more like upset about now. But Yeah. Was this after he retired? And came back, or uh, it was like it was like oh wait when they feuded, like when they feuded in like oh wait for a while, they had oh. that it was a pretty great feud. But and then actually, right after that, Jericho uh, they did an angle where Jericho was supposed to accidentally punch Sean's wife, but then he accidentally did it for real and actually punched her in the face oh, and like yeah. swelled up her face. So Jericho basically just like <laughs> injured both of them within a short span of time, and I don't know, it's not it's not a good ratio there. All right. Well, I guess it's time to wrap up our show. Jack, you got any? Uh, tell us your social media. Well, you know, I do have some social media. I have an Instagram. It's Fightgeist Wrestling. I have a Twitter. It's Fightgeist Pod. Uh, I have an email account. I don't know if you heard of that, but uh, Fightgeist Wrestling at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to give us feedback on the show, but most importantly, more importantly than any of that, I have a Twitch channel, which is Twitch TV slash Fightgeist Wrestling, and every single week. Uh, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we stream our episodes of the show Fight Guys, the alternative wrestling podcast, myself, my co-host Phil. And those episodes go up on YouTube with high-definition video versions. And on all podcast platforms, wherever you find your podcast, they're there. We we are about to hit our one-year anniversary doing Fight Guys. And there's such a huge back archive of content. Uh, if you like wrestling content, if you like this episode, then I think Fight Guys is perfect. But, Dad, I know you have a show, too, so why don't you plug yours? Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, I do a podcast with my lovely co-host, Mary. It's called Let's Not Get Into It, and it's not at all about wrestling, but you might like it anyway. Uh, basically, it's just a conversation about current events and, and whatnot, and it's every week on YouTube and Spotify and everywhere that cool podcasts can be found. Again, it's, let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. And you know, if you came here from Fight Geist, if you're hearing this because you're a fan of my show, then I've got a challenge for you because you said they don't talk about wrestling. I know for a fact, because I've listened to the show, they've mentioned wrestling before at some point. And so here's the challenge. you got to listen to all the episodes and you got to find the times when they've mentioned wrestling and then report back, okay? Let me know. God bless Samson. Who is he, Papa? That's his secret. I don't think you'll ever know. But I'll say this, my dear. In this age where there are certain evil men who propose to destroy us, Samson is an example to men of goodwill who serve justice. was going swell till something happened blew everything to hell that night my daddy stumbled in all pale and weak set a woman up the block just gave birth to a geek mom said sell it to the circus what the heck dad said nope this one's a pencil neck 
And if there's one thing lower than a sideshow freak, it's a gritty, scum-sucking, pencil-neck geek. You see, if you take a pencil that won't hold lead, looks like a pipe cleaner attached to a head, and a buggy whip body with a brain that leaks, you got yourself a grit-eating, pencil-neck geek. Pencil-neck geek, grit-eating freak, scum-sucking P.S. with a lousy physique. He's a one-man, no-cut, losing streak. Nothing but a pencil-neck geek. Soon the geeks were popping up all over town. You couldn't hardly sneeze without knocking one down. After a nice juicy steak, if you need a toothpick, just reach for a geek. They'll do the trick. One day we cut one up for fish bait. Learned our lesson just a little bit late. Soon as the geek hit the drink, the water turned red. Next day, sure enough, all the fish were dead. Pencil neck geek. Gritty freak, scum-sucking peahead with a lousy physique. He's a one-man, no-gut, losing streak. Nothing but a pencil-neck geek. Any night, you know where I can be found? Yeah, stomping some geeks head into the ground. So keep the faith, cause in Blassie you can trust. I won't give up till the last geek bites the dust. Pencil neck geek, gritty freak, scum sucking D-head with a lousy physique. He's a one-man, no-gut, losing streak. Nothing but a pencil neck geek. They say these geeks come a dime a dozen. I'm looking for the guy who's supplying the dimes. It's gonna be real hard times for all of these gritty, scum-sucking, boot-licking, drop-kicking, gut-grinding, nail-biting, glue-sniffing, scab-picking, butt-scratching, egg-hatching, sleazy, smelly, pepper-belly, dirty, lousy, rotten, stinking freaks. Nothing but a pencil-neck geek. Pencil-neck geek.